What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You know, here on Modern Mom Probs, we're trying to solve the world's modern mom problems, but if we can't do that, hey, at least we're having fun talking about them. Today's topic is how to avoid getting trapped in the martyr role in motherhood. I'm joined by Joanne Crone. She's a parenting educator and life coach who helps moms feel confident in raising empowered kids while pursuing their own goals. She's an accomplished writer, author, and host of the award-winning No Guilt Mom podcast. Her specialty is helping moms go from martyr to model, being the role model in her family versus sacrificing her own needs. Her coaching program, Balance, has helped hundreds of women find what lights them up, form a deeper relationship with their families, and release their own mental load. Joanne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here. We chatted 30 minutes before I even hit record (laughs) because we were having so much fun talking about all of the things, all of the things. And maybe we should have hit record right from the get-go and just had it all in there. But you know what? We were actually too busy talking for me to even hit record. Yeah. That whole thing, like always be recording ABR, which I never do on my podcast either, but you get such good stuff and you're like, darn it. I wish I had that on like recording. Yeah. I kind of wish we did, but here we are now. We're actually recording. You are with me. You are a parenting educator, host of a wildly popular podcast, No Guilt Mom, and a mom yourself. So Joanne, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, so I first, I think I have to say like, I'm an Arizonan because we were talking about the weather and that's something like, I think everyone needs to know, like when you get in a conversation with someone, you always need to know the weather, especially me as an Arizonan, because I'm always like, it's so hot or it's so cold or so I am an Arizonan born and bred. I actually like started my whole journey. Like when I graduated college, I didn't want to be in education. My dad was a teacher and growing up, he's like, don't be a teacher. Don't be a teacher. Like they're just like, you know, you'll have to deal with administration. You'll have to deal with all these things, like do anything else and be a teacher. So I went out to LA and I was going to be in the entertainment industry and television. And I did. Yeah. And I did do it. I was like, (laughs) 
I was a theater major first and then I was a broadcast journalism major because that was the closest to television. And I moved out to LA when I graduated. My boyfriend, now husband, was out there already working in Irvine. And I had this little job list called the UTA job list. And I was applying for all these internships. And I went to this one internship interview and she's like, you know, you have a college degree. You can start working in one of the big agency mailrooms. And I'm like, really? Okay. She's like, I know somebody. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like how they talk about Hollywood. Like I know somebody. I feel like that's like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I know somebody. I'll give him a call. And his name was Zach. He's like, yeah, we're hiring for the mailroom. Just send her over. And so this was in Beverly, in Beverly Hills. And so I walk over to, it was Endeavor at the time, the agency, and he just hires me right there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, I have a job in Hollywood. And so for four months, I was driving around LA delivering packages to people's homes. And we were talking about Armchair Expert. And I actually have a great affinity for Dak Shepard because I delivered a package to him. And, <laughs> and one day when I go on Armchair Expert, I will be like, Dak Shepard, when you were living in Santa Monica, the upstairs apartment, I delivered a package to you from the <laughs> <laughs> That is incredible. That is incredible. So I spent like a year there and I got on a desk. I was an assistant and then I went to a production company and I was in development, reality television I actually did. so Really? Can you share what some of the titles were? Yeah, it was. So one of my boss's big shows was called Princes of Malibu, which was David Foster and his uh, sons, Brody Jenner and Brandon Jenner. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, it was like two episodes on Fox before it got canceled. And it was um, Spencer Pratt, who has also been in the news as well. It was their show. And that was an amazing experience. Like David Foster's the most kindest person in the whole wide world. And so every time I see him in the news, I'm like, oh, David, he's such a good guy. But it was just a really crazy, crazy thing seeing that whole world. And I didn't like it, though. You know, I always felt like I was trying to one up somebody. I was trying to like get the best of somebody, especially when you're dealing with like contracts or negotiations or like making deals or whatever. It was not my personality. And so when I got laid off because the company went through a huge downsizing, I was like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to be a teacher. Like being a camp counselor was the best thing in my life. I'm going to be a teacher. And so I went back to ASU and we moved back here to Arizona and I became a teacher and I was that for six years until my second was born, my son. And that's when I started No Guilt Mom and been doing it for the past 10 years. But I did it because like growing up, I saw my mom struggle with like self-care and time for herself. Like I remember her coming home from work and she worked in an admin at the hospital and she would just be so tired and she'd be complaining. Like, she's like, I never have time to work out. I never have time to eat healthy. And I'm like, mom, like, just like take this time and like go, like you have a gym at work, go. And I'd be telling her that like as a 13 year old, as a 14 year old, And she'd always feel like she couldn't get away, like she would be missing something from us. And so I remember seeing that as a kid, I didn't even want to have my own kids at first. Like my husband was all about, I want the kids like early, like my parents had me at 21. And I'm like, hold on now, mister. Hold on. (laughs) Like 
we can't do like, I don't want to lose my life. That's what I thought I was happening. I don't want to lose my life. I don't want to lose my freedom because that's all I saw growing up. Like my parents gave all of us all their attention all the time and they're wonderful parents, but I didn't want that for myself. And so when I finally did become a mom, I struggled hard. I had postpartum depression. I had all of these expectations on myself and I felt totally alone in the whole world. Like no one else understood me. And it was through therapy that I finally realized that that is not how this has to be, that there is a different way to live and to do mom life. And that is what I based my whole company around. I want to encourage all of those moms out there who feel like they have to give up everything for their families that you don't. In fact, the best parent you can be comes from being the best version of yourself and going after your own goals and taking care of your own needs because kids can only be what they see. And if they see you succeeding and if they see you fulfilled and happy, my gosh, that is going to make the impression on them later on in life. And that is going to have them like really thrilled to be an adult. Brava, Joe. That was incredible. No, I'm just like, okay. Okay. Podcast over. Thanks for coming. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I no, feel passionately you- about this one. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. You know, it's interesting what you were saying about your mother growing up. I was raised by a single mother. My parents were divorced when I was two. So my mom worked a ridiculous amount. She was in the restaurant business and she worked probably over a hundred hours a week every year for 30 years. And I don't even think self-care was a word or a thought or anything that she like registered to her. You know, she like worked came home, slept, went back to work, came home, slept. Maybe she ate. No, she didn't eat with me. She probably ate at the restaurant and then just, you know, rinse and repeat. And God bless her. She's an incredibly hard worker. And even now she's retired and she's like, I feel like I should work. I'm like, mommy, just rest. Yeah. You worked hard enough. You're good. (laughs) You're good now. You're, You're good. So it's interesting that you had the insight when you were 13 to say, no, go take care of yourself. Go do something that you like. Yeah, I I felt like this tension and sadness, I think, in my mom. Like she seems stressed and kids can pick up on stress and anxiety really well. But she seems stressed and all I wanted to do was for her to be happy and I wanted her to be fulfilled. And I'm still playing that role a little bit as the adult child with my mom because just like you like my mom will come places and she'll like be all over the place and get up and like helping and it wasn't until recently where I learned I learned how to get it with my mom I'm like mom can I make you a margarita (laughs) there you go and so I make her like I'm really good at margaritas like when we ever meet in person I will make you a margarita thank you but like I I could just sit her. I'm like, here, mom, have a margarita and I'll have a margarita too. And my mom will just go sit and talk with me and just enjoy and not feel like she has to do all the things anymore, which I love. I love seeing her in that aspect. I still want her to pursue more things on her own, like, because she watches my nephew now who's four (laughs) and um, I still want her to have that. But, you know, you see that in your parents and you want them to be the happiest. And that's what our kids want for us too. They want us to be the happiest. So I read like, and I think it was actually in Elisa Pressman's book about, it was a Carl Jung quote 
that like the hardest thing on a child is the unfulfilled parent or I can't remember it exactly now. I want to look it up, but it's really true. Like I have her book right here. Yeah. It's like chapter five or something. I think it's Carl Jung and like, Oh, here it is. Okay, it's from Jung. Nothing exerts a stronger psychic effect upon the human environment and especially upon children than the life which the parents have not lived. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Yeah, That is powerful. So when you think of it that way, like it is almost becomes our responsibility to live these great lives and not be the martyrs, but rather be the models, be the role models for our kids and show them what's possible. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to jump into this, like really, really jump into it. Many moms, not all moms, but many moms feel stuck in this martyr role. How, how does that happen? How does that even begin? It's a lot of what we just grew up with. I mean, growing up in the 80s and 90s, we saw all the television commercials with mom in the kitchen, mom doing the laundry, mom taking care of the kids. Where where was dad? Dad was a bumbling idiot in those commercials who couldn't do a single thing on his own and always messed things up. And like we can look back and laugh at that now, but like that gets embedded in us and that really affects how we think things should quote unquote be. And so then when we start our own lives outside of our homes, we just fall into these natural rhythms when kids come into the picture. It's like we saw it modeled about how our moms did it. So naturally, we fall into that role of, oh, you know, I see this needs to be done. I'll do that. I see this needs to be done. I'll do that. And then it becomes all on us with no one else giving anything into it, nonetheless, our partners. And so it, it, that's how we get stuck in the martyr role. And it takes a conscious effort of us seeing that, of us knowing that that doesn't need to be how it is, and then working to change that within our own families. Yeah. It's one of those things where when my son was little, I found myself in that role, self-imposed, self-imposed yeah. in that role because I felt like, oh, my husband, you know, can't do it the right way or he can't do it like how I do it or how I think it should be done. And then you're putting yourself there. And only once when you take a step back and say, oh, that's not the case. He could do bath time just as good as I do. He could do bedtime just as good as I do. And, and then you realize like, I'm not the end all be all here in, in this family and in, in this relationship. Then things really yeah. start to change. Yeah, like the that and like I felt I went through a lot of guilt. Like if I wasn't there, I was somehow doing something wrong. Like mom should always be there. I noticed that was a narrative that was going through my head. Or I would see like my husband was just busy with work. I mean, one Christmas, uh, it was actually before the pandemic, he had just such a packed work schedule where he was getting home at seven and it was December. And so I was taking care of all of the gifts, all of the wrapping, all of the organization. I was depleted at the end of Christmas. So much so like the day after Christmas, I was sobbing on the couch. And part of that sobbing was brought on because my mother-in-law bought me Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. Shut so he, Yeah. Up. See, so I was reading Fair Play and I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm feeling right now. Now, wait, wait, wait. Backtrack on this one. We had Eve yeah. on the show. She's incredible. Eve, I yes. love her, her book. Yes. 
She's been on ours. Yeah. Did amazing. your mother-in-law know what was going on in your day-to-day life when she purchased the book? I all I feel like she does know because my husband works at the same company that her husband did. And she always says that this company is a ruiner of families. Oh, and, damn. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I see it. I see it every day and I fight and I fight back against it so hard because the work hours are insane that they have for people. And it's all, all male. Like there's no women there. It's all male. And I mean, I could just give you an example. Last night, my husband went to work at seven. He came home at 730. And then he, we like played a family game for like an hour. And then he got back on a work call at 930. And he came to bed at 130. And I mean, that is the work culture because he's also like working with uh, a team in India. So they have the different time schedules. And that is the work culture of this company. And I hate it. And she knows it. And so I bet she does. And she gave actually the book to me and to my sister-in-law, who's married to my husband's brother. And so I don't think she thought I would take the book as far as I did, but I did. Because then I'm like, yeah, Leslie, Evronsky's coming on. The book you gave me, that's why she's coming on. So, but yeah. wild. Especially reading it during the holiday season because- you know, I don't have to tell everyone here that a lot of the work falls on mothers during the holiday season. Oh, definitely. And the whole like time is money thing, the time myth from Eve's book, that hit me hard because that is what I was doing. I was sacrificing my own time because I thought my husband's time was worth more when he came home and relaxed. Unconsciously, I was doing this. Yeah. And that led to a complete change in our household because after I broke down, I'm like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this by myself anymore. And We started talking a lot about how we can separate out things. And now for Christmas, like these past two Christmases, my husband is in charge of all the kids' gifts, all of them, and wrapping them. So he buys them. He makes sure they're, they're, they're all hidden in his office, and he takes care of wrapping all of them. And so- it's amazing. It's so much less stress. That's incredible. Just that one thing. And he, the kids make it so easy. They make these like wish lists for him. I mean, they're 15 and 10 now. So he just goes down the wish list and yeah, but it's good. it works. Calling all parents of tiny titans, future CEOs, and mini movers and shakers. Is your little one a whirlwind of big dreams and even bigger tantrums? Do they have the potential to be unstoppable but lack the tools to navigate the everyday chaos? Then buckle up because Tapouts, the ultimate kids coaching program, is here to unleash your child's inner champion. Tapouts isn't about karate or soccer drills, it trains kids in building resilience, confidence, and communication skills that last a lifetime. Their expert coaches, who are basically superheroes in disguise, will help your child harness their energy to channel their power into positive action, face their fears by equipping them with the tools to overcome challenges and build emotional muscle. Forget tantrums and misunderstandings. Tapouts fosters clear communication, empathy, and healthy relationships. Discover their passions, whether it's building robots, painting masterpieces, or saving the planet. Tapouts helps kids find their spark and ignite their unique talents. 
Tapouts isn't just a program, it's a community, a village of supportive parents, empowered kids, and coaches who believe in your child's magic. So, ready to watch your little one tap into their full potential? Visit tapouts.com today and unlock a free trial session. P.S. Don't forget, the seeker code is TARA50 for 50% off your first month. That is very cool. Now, did you have to sit down and sort of have like a list in front of you or a mental load checklist to say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you're going to take care of this, I'm going to take care of that? It was a joint conversation with us where I wasn't prepared for anything. I mean, I really took uh, <laughs> some inspiration from what Eve said in her book, you know, the should I do list, which it didn't go too well on her end. So I'm like, okay, check, <laughs> won't do that. And I was just like, we need to find a way to really break up what we're doing in the house. And I think the pandemic was actually a godsend in that respect because we had things that were outsourced in our house. Like we have a cleaner come in like twice a month and that couldn't happen during the pandemic. And both of us were home and we had kids to take care of. And so we sat down as an entire family and we just wrote down everything that needed to be taken care of in the house. And then we went round robin around us and pick jobs off the list. And of course, my son was like seven then, and my daughter was like 10, 11. And so we helped them pick their jobs. But that was the first kind of you know journey into splitting up everything. And then since then, it's taken just constant maintenance. So my husband and I have a weekly date every Wednesday. I'm going today. And oh, yeah. it's just at this restaurant called Sicilian Butcher where we have drinks outside and we just connect and chat and talk about like whatever really needs to be brought up. And there's certain things I've let go of in our house that I just don't do. Like I think one of the ways to really take yourself out of the martyr position is to know which job is assigned to which person and to be very, very clear about it. And even to have it written down somewhere so that you don't like think you had the conversation, but you can't remember if you actually had that conversation. (laughs) So I like to write it down as I put it on the fridge so everyone knows. And so I know. And then letting that job go when it's not done. My husband's job is to take out the trash. And when the trash isn't taken out, we have one of those like pull out underneath the counter trashes. You're describing my life because I have the same trash can and my husband also takes out the trash. Yeah. So like if that thing's full, you can't fit anything else. And so it starts going on top of the counter. And so I've let it go on top of the counter for a bit. And usually like something's needs to happen. There needs to be some kind of natural consequences before the job is actually taken over completely. And so thankfully, my dog had a hand in the natural consequence where we had tacos one night and the trash can was full, so nothing could go in there. And so the taco bag had to be on top of the counter. So I come out in the morning and I'm like, where's the dog? Like the dog's usually following me around asking for food. And I look over the couch and right there in the middle of the couch, like she's surrounded by pieces of shredded up paper and foil and like trash is just all around her. And she's like, and she's like eating everything. It is the biggest mess I have ever seen. And I look at it and I'm like, I was about to pick it up. And you know, those things where you're about to pick it up and you know, like you would be so resentful and like stomping through the entire house. So I'm like, nope. 
not going to do that. And I just went into the, the uh, bathroom where my husband was showering. I'm like, so Addie got in the trash. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, I'm going to go take a walk. <laughs> and I just left. And he cleaned it all up. And it really has not gotten that bad since. <laughs> Any day could be Taco Tuesday if you try hard enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Addie was like, it's Taco dog. Tuesday. I'm getting in on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's an she, important story. <laughs> of course. Like what dog isn't, right? Yeah. But that's an important story. Like I feel like many families do have those types of origin stories, if you will. And it's like this was the point where we started doing X because we had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. You just you get to your point. You're almost like your breaking point. And you're like, well, that's it. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. And I hope that like if you're listening right now and you're hearing this, like you don't have to get to that breaking point. It could be something as simple as saying like, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Let's sit down and see how we can split this up. And then just listing all the tasks and splitting them up and making sure you know who's assigned to which and take it from there. Just a gradual process because it is, I always think like, Will I be resentful if I keep doing this? Like what version of myself does my family get if I keep doing this? And usually I could picture myself storming out and like getting all mad and like doing those like jerky hand movements. And I'm like, okay, that's my cue. I need to say no. Yeah, it's true. We always like my husband and I have an ongoing inside joke about like slamming pots and pans about being like resentful and being passive aggressive, not because either of also like that it's actually because like his mom used to do that when he was a kid and she'd be like son of a slam yeah <laughs> dirty rotten bang and so, and so that's like our like ongoing inside joke about you know being resentful and not speaking your mind when you really need to and slamming your your dishes and pots and pans unnecessarily but I- i'm so pleased that we're living in a generation now that can talk about this stuff, that can sit down with our partner and say, hey, listen, you know, I felt really resentful last week when, you know, you played golf all day and I was home with the kids. I'm just making up that example because I feel like I see that a lot online. But, you know, it could be any number of things that people feel resentful for. Yeah. And even noticing that resentment is there. That's like a hard thing to do because, I mean, my husband was doing this thing where he would leave the house at like 8 a.m. and I'd be stuck with my son at the time who was like a one-year-old, like crazy, and he'd be at coffee sitting down and relaxing until nine, until he went into work, and then he wouldn't come home until like seven, and here I am thinking, my gosh, if you just went into work earlier, you could come home earlier, and I wouldn't have the kids when they're at their most crazy gosh, that's a good point. And I like, and he just didn't, he didn't get it. He was like, I need that to relax. I need that for myself. And I think him having such strong personal boundaries of what he needed has gotten me to advocate for the things that I need as well. Like I'm a total morning person But at night, like, I will shut down and I will become grumpy if you don't let me go to bed. (laughs) In in our house, we call that slangry because my husband gets slangry in in the same way. We're like, "Uh uh-oh, it's 745, daddy slangry. Slangry. (laughs) I like that word, slangry. (laughs) Daddy gets slangry. 
you have to let him go to sleep. But but I think it's important to know those boundaries. And it's interesting what you said about your husband sort of influencing you in a positive way. My husband has very strict boundaries about work stuff, about personal stuff. And I have learned to get some of those from him. You know, naturally, I'm sort of like a people pleaser. I'm a yes person. And when I Me see too. him saying like, no, just, just no, that's it. That's the answer. The answer is no. And you're like, oh. I can say no. I can say no to clients or people or requests made upon me. I'm getting better about that. I'm not as great as he is, but it's a work in progress. Yeah, I could totally identify with that one. The no thing. Like, I still feel like I need to have a reason for no. And especially with our kids, because my daughter will push. I mean, she's 15. She knows how to do it. And she will even come up to me and she's like, dad just says no. And he doesn't tell me the reason. He needs a reason. And I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't need a reason. It's just no. But <laughs> but it's, it's hard when they come to you and they're like, there needs to be a reason. You need to tell me why. Like, At that point, then I'm sure I would come up with some sort of like, I'd have to like tap dance through an answer <laughs> that gives a background reason. Lately, like my reason has been, and this is so interesting because I did not give myself permission to say this, is I don't want to do it. Like I felt so much shame saying that before. And so now I'm like doing it with my daughter. She's like, well, why don't, why, why don't you, why can't you do this with me? And I'm like, I don't want to right now. And I just tell her that. And she's like, okay. (laughs) But you know what though? That's good modeling for her so that she doesn't feel compelled to be a people pleaser. Yes. And it's fu- it's funny because I had these conversations with her. I'm like, I just don't want you to be a people pleaser when you grow up. And my daughter's like, mom, I am not a people pleaser. I don't care what people think. I will tell them no all the time. <laughs> In fact, make me the boss of things. <laughs> I will like <laughs> <Good> for her. <laughs> she's in studio and she's so funny because she's like, she's like head of her committee. And she's like, oh, no one's going to speak up? Okay, well, then I'm going to paint the posters and you are going to do research for two hours. <laughs> I'm like, I need to learn something from you, kid. Like, she's a boss. Amazing. Good for her. She's a boss. She is a leader. I love it. I love to see it. How can we as moms like be better role models for our children like that so that we're not stuck in the son of a slam kind of Son of a slam. I'm going to use that. Son of a slam. (laughs) It is really embracing our fear of doing new things because I think we all have that within us. I was just on a call with our Balance community this morning and we're having this retreat coming up. And one of the members was like, yeah, but I'm really afraid of like leaving my kids for that long. And I was like, that fear that you have, that is telling you that it is going to push you in a direction that you have never been before. It doesn't mean that something bad is going to happen. It means that you've just never done it and you're uncertain and you're unclear. And when you know those things in your life, like these things that you want to do, but this fear is just holding you back, the best thing you could do for yourself and to be a role model is to go through and do it scared. Like my friend Ruth Sukup would say, do it scared. Like acknowledge your fear and go do it anyways. And when we do that, our kids see it and they're less likely to be held back by their fears because like I talk to my kids all the time when I'm afraid to do something. I'm like, yeah, I'm really, really scared to go on this trip or leave you guys for this long, but I'm going to do it because I want you to be able to do that when you get to be an adult and when you have kids of your own. 
And I mean, to tell everyone out there, it's not like a situation where they're like, yes, mommy, I understand. (laughs) It's a situation where the kids come back and they're like, I don't want you to go. Don't go. Like, don't leave us. Why do you have to leave? Like, it is total like guilt on me when I do that. But pushing through, pushing through the fear and pushing through the guilt. And I think that's the best way to be a role model. It is. When my son was younger, this was pre-pandemic, and I had the opportunity to go to Mom 2.0, and we talked about Mom 2.0 before we even hit record. And my friends kept saying, oh, Tara, come, come out, come out. I think one year it was in Las Vegas. And I was like, oh, come, come. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like right leaving my son. I think at that point, maybe he was four or five. And I was like, oh, he's so young. I don't want to leave him with my husband, this and that. And I didn't go. And it it was okay. But then I had like such major FOMO. And then the pandemic hit. And then I did attend Mom 2.0. And we, we talked about that before. It was the Los Angeles one. What was that? 2022? 2022. I think, yeah, I think it was 2022 at the very, very high up hotel with the 75th floor lobby where my legs were shaking when I got off that elevator because we were so high up. It was so (laughs) weird that the lobby was so high and that it had the most like annoying elevator of all times because every time you had to get in the elevator, you had to swipe your card. It was, it was annoying. Yeah. The intercontinental. Yes. In Los Angeles. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. The intercontinental in LA. And so finally, you know, several years later, but it took me many years to build up the courage to say to my husband, I want to go to this conference and network with my peers. And he was like, oh yeah, duh, of course, go. Yeah. <laughs> and I it's was usually like, like that, right? Oh, like, okay. oh yeah. He's like, you make money at work, like just use, you know, your work money and just go. He's like, I'm fine. We're fine. I was like, oh, that, that was it. That, that was all I had to do was ask. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for years, and not I was even too worried. Yeah, I didn't even ask. Not I was just kind of like- telling him like, oh, hey, it's in Los Angeles in March at the Intercontinental. I'm booking my flights. I'll be back on Monday. You know, like that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Like m- my husband and I have actually been really great pushing me in this way because I would come and I would ask before. And he's like, why do you even ask? Just like, tell me, tell me what you want to do. Like we're equal footing here. And I know that some people do not have relationships like that. And so I think us talking about it and being like, no, this is how it is. Like it should be. You just tell your partner that you're going and your partner does what they can to support you in it when you want to do it. Like that is an equal relationship. Cause I always think about, well, if my husband ever wanted to do something like that and he's like, Hey, I, I want to go do this. Like obviously come and check and be like, do you have anything going on? Like, do you see this being a huge inconvenience like that? I appreciate, but not asking for my permission. I don't think he would ever ask for my permission to do something. And I think, I think that's a great thing when, when we say like, yeah, all we have to do is say we want to do it and then go for it. Yeah. And and we're I, I do have to say we are very lucky in our marriages to have partners who can say, yes, oh, of course. And not everyone is in that same position. So I think that is, you know, worth mentioning too. It is. And you know what? There's something that I was actually looking at online and I can't remember who said this. And I think it was if you follow, she is a page turner on Instagram. Really great person to follow. But she was mentioning this about how a lot of people are like, well, you didn't like it's not luck, like you chose your partner or whatever. Like that said a lot, 
But she's like, no, like on paper, it looks like when you marry somebody that they're going to be great when kids come along. And then kids come in the picture and the whole relationship dynamic changes. And that was really eye-opening to me because I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like relationship dynamics change when kids come in the picture. And it's very hard to navigate in that arena. Yeah, absolutely. And I think age has something to do with that. I think maybe socioeconomic circumstances have something to do with that versus, you know, when when you mentioned that your husband's parents had him at 21, my husband's parents had him at 21. So, you know, there's a parallel there. But my husband and I didn't have our son until we were 32. So, you know, you're in a very different place at 32 versus 21 from education standpoint, socioeconomic standpoint, so many different things, just life experience in general. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. that's worth mentioning. Yeah. And we had our daughter at 27. I was 27. He was 28. And then son came along at 31. But like, yeah, you're totally right because my mother-in-law had to stay home and take care of the kids. Like that was all that was available because my father-in-law was still finishing up school. And like, (laughs) and then going into a career and then here she is with nothing really to fall back on because she has been watching the kids for so long. And when we put women in these situations where they don't have, you know, the career backing them, they don't have the experience backing them, it becomes really, really hard. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's hard for everybody. It's hard. And there's different situations that you're put in where it's hard to have that relationship. Yeah. But here she is giving out fair play to people for Christmas. Yeah. And they're divorced now. So (laughs) that's worth mentioning as well, too. But I mean, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for her. So it's good. (laughs) I feel like we really just laid it all out today on the table. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. We really did. Like, you want to come here for honesty. We just laid it all out. Today. Everything. Uh, yes. I mean, honesty, vulnerability. I think, like, when we, ta- when we talk about like the real thing, the real issues behind things, we feel less alone because nothing helps anybody with this glossed over, you know, perfection. That's what it is. That's why you do what you do. That's why I do what I do. I want to talk more about your podcast. I want to talk what does it mean to be a no guilt mom? No guilt mom, I always feel is an ideal I am searching for because guilt is never going to go away. You just learn to live with it more and make the decisions that impact you. So being a no guilt mom is really pushing through the fear that we talked about, doing things that really excite you, that light you up inside, and not feeling shameful for it in the long term. I'm not saying that these feelings come right away. It is something that we are all working towards as we look to make our adult lives the best we can. And we're giving a great example and having really close relationships with our kids as well. Because that's something that I really wanted to address with being a no-guilt mom is that a lot of successful women will come up and be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all this, but I'm really a crappy mom. Like, no, like you are showing you like your kids how it should be. And you do not have to be a crappy mom to achieve success in one area. It should not have to be that way. And so no guilt mom is really combining the two. You can be a great mom and you can pursue the things you want, but there is a balance and strategies to use. Yeah, there are definitely strategies to use. Because for me, I often say, like, I'm a great mom. I am a much better mom than I am anything else, content creator, anything else that I do. And 
my relationship with my son is tantamount, right? Like there is nothing that I would ever do to jeopardize my relationship with him. You know, if at one point he says, you know, mom, like, can you just not do this anymore? I'd be like, okay, I respect you. I respect our relationship. I'll pack it in. That's, that's what it is because he's the most important thing to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there's that. And, And my husband too, obviously, you know, we're a really, really tight unit. And, and I, I go out of my way to respect their privacy too, for those reasons. But I, I could definitely understand how people would struggle with that of like, you know, I'm working 24 seven to be, and I'm just using content creator as an example, to be a solid content creator. And that is sort of a job or a career that is 24 seven, if you allow it to be. And then sometimes, you know, because it is a 24 seven job, it is on the backs of your loved ones that you don't get to see, don't get to interact with as much. Sometimes, you know, they don't want to be a part of it as much as you would like them to be a part of it. It's a whole thing. But I can see how many people can, how many women can feel that, yes, I'm successful in this arena, but I am not successful in that arena. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard balance for sure. And especially like being content creators, like when kids get older, I mean, my kids used to be in like my Instagram pictures and everything, and you won't see anything about them anymore. Usually when I talk about kids scenarios, it's my reaction to a scenario that happened versus like what my kids did or anything like that. Because they want their privacy protected. In fact, my daughter's friends at high school follow me on Instagram. So I really have to be (laughs) careful with what I put out there. Like she has one of her friends who's like says like, oh my gosh, I love your mom. Is your mom coming to pick you up today? And this girl will come up to my car and be like, hi. (laughs) It's really sweet. It's really sweet. But it also really like makes my daughter mad. Totally. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, my so my a- son understands because he's eleven. He's you know just similar to your your son's age, and so yeah, they're yeah. very aware of the situation. They know what's going on. Yeah, sometimes I will like compensate them if I need help on something. Like, oh, I'm like, I, I pay my son if he's in a real. I absolutely give him money yeah. for it because that's his time. He he's worked for time. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll usually do a Starbucks thing or I, I do offer to pay because I'm like, it's an acting role. I need you to act in this. <laughs> but it's I like interesting that. how to work it in. Yeah. It is. No, it really is. Uh, are you familiar with Sarah Adams from Mom Uncharted? She is lovely. And her entire platform is about respecting children's privacy. She often talks more about like family vloggers and YouTubers, but I highly recommend following her. She's been on the show too, but I think that you would enjoy chatting with her on your show as well. Yeah, because there's all those like things in the news right now so much family vloggers Mm -hmm. yeah well i noticed the Mm -hmm. holderness family doesn't use their kids much in their videos anymore either and i'm like knowing the age of their kids similar to mine i'm like i know what's going on there (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the kids are now pushing back and it's 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 interesting when you make your platform as a family and then the kids don't want to be in it anymore and they've done a great job of respecting their kids wishes and totally shifting that but it's hard (laughs) You know, it definitely is. But yes, check out Sarah and Mom Uncharted because I, I really love her her platform. It's really interesting. So you know what I was going to ask you, Joanne? Yeah. What do you think is one of the biggest modern mom problems out there right now? 
I think it's all of the expectations that we put on ourselves that don't necessarily need to be true. I was reading this great book. I don't know if you've read it, Burnout. Mm -hmm. It really keyed me in to what the patriarchy actually is. This role and these systems in place that have us acting in certain ways, being the nice girl, not wanting to like ruffle any feathers, like being the quiet ones. And all of those expectations that we have there, they don't have to be that way. And I think like we see that we're like, oh, that's just how it is. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think that one of the biggest modern mom problems is that we are dealing with these ideas that we don't have to, like we're accepting them and we don't need to. I just give a good example of this just from when my daughter was younger and when I was dealing with postpartum depression and anxiety, one of the things I absolutely hated was breastfeeding. I hated it with a passion. I like my daughter would latch on and I would be stomping my foot for a good like 30 seconds before the pain went away. But I felt like to be a quote unquote good mom, this is what I had to do. I had to get through it. I had to get her nourished. And it wasn't until I went to a therapist where she was like, your only job is to feed your child. No matter what you do with that, you do not have to like do this if it's causing you pain. And so that day I like changed into a sports bra. I bought the cabbage leaves. We switched immediately to formula. And my almost entire life improved because I got sleep. I got to share the duties with my husband. I got to do all these things. And it was all based on an expectation that I was holding for myself that didn't have to be true. And so that's what I just want to encourage everyone to do. Like, What expectations are you holding for yourself that don't have to be true, that can give you so much more freedom if you let go of? Yes, preach. Joanne, it's such a pleasure. I mean, I think we could be here for another three hours. Tell everyone where we could find you. Come to noguiltmom.com and subscribe to our No Guilt Mom podcast. We air new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and we are going to have Tara on very, very soon. Yes, I'm so excited. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. This was so much fun, right? <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.